Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah w- wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, 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 yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. We arrived. We have arrived. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Anthony. I am Brad. And today we are discussing, we're doing a special one today because one of these films I've been anticipating since, I want to say since the beginning of the pandemic, because I was supposed to get this way earlier than it came. I, I want to say this is one of the few movies that's almost been mentioned in every podcast we've done as a, I can't wait for this to come out. <laughs> almost every one. Yeah. Wow. Almost every one. Yeah, folks, we've, mentioned, we've been mentioning this more than Zack Snyder's Justice League cut that's how much we've been mentioning this movie and i have a feeling we'll continue talking about it in the future as we wait for you know the inevitable <laughs> yep yep okay all right so today folks we're gonna talk about dune we're gonna talk about of course the newest dune that came out this past week uh by the time you hear this and we're gonna um of course pit that up against uh dune that was made in 1984 Written and directed by uh, cinematic legend uh, David Lynch. So basically, 84 versus 2021. And I want to say, before we jump into this, man, I just got done reading the novel on Friday. Oh, perfect. So I was going to ask if you finished reading the novel or not, because I was curious. I haven't read the books. I've seen, really? I had seen 84 long ago, and... Mm-hmm. I did a rewatch of it earlier this week in preparation for this podcast. Plus, I saw the new Dune movie, but I've never read the book. Wow, you got to read the book, man. It, it adds more context too. For a okay. book written for a bit for a book that's written in the '60s, it's actually very well written. Like I can tell why it's a classic. I'm probably I'm probably gonna read the sequels to be honest with you. It, it had me engaged enough to do that. But um, yeah, I just got done reading it on Friday because. I had started when I had first moved down here to the Carolinas. I forgot which month. And I, I kind of been getting into it um, early because it's such a long book, like 800 pages or so. But I had to kick myself in the, over, in the you know, ultra gear because, you know, I'm, I'm saying, oh, man, I'm seeing it this weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, I rushed through it. And it's, it's a very good book. Uh, with that being said, man, you know. I usually would ask the question, but I, I figure we need to save the most recent for last. Uh, let's oh, just start yeah. off with let, let's start off with 1984. So, um, all right, so we got Dune in 1980, uh, made in 1984. The story behind this movie, though, uh, David Lynch's film, is that number one, David Lynch is not proud of this movie, and he doesn't he disowns it. Like, oh, this is very a, publicly disowns it. Yeah, this this is an Alan Smithy film to him. Like he says, that's not my movie. Um, a lot of creative differences behind the scenes. A lot of loss of uh, artistic control behind the scenes. Um, Kyle MacLachlan, his first film, uh, which leads to a great 
uh, cinematic relationship between him and Lynch in the future. Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet, all that good stuff. Uh, we got Sting in this one. We got we got a, we got a nice supporting cast in this movie. Um, Patrick Stewart. I didn't even know he was in this until I saw him on screen. Brad. I Dorf. forgot he was in this until he popped up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Jean Luc Picard's in this." <laughs> yeah, because I had to squint my eyes and say, "Is that is that Patrick?" Yeah. I was like, "Oh man, that's Patrick Stewart." Virginia Madsen is in this. Sting, uh, Jose Ferrer, Max von S- S- Sydow. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, yeah, it's a lot of heavy hitter actors in this film, man, which surprised me because. Man, this movie sucks. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna just come right out and say it, dude. Like, if I had, if I removed myself, and I don't know how you did this when you first watched this movie. If I had not ro- read the novel before I watched this movie, I wouldn't understand what the hell is going on. Oh no, I didn't understand what was going on. I was just thinking, oh, look at this sci-fi. This is interesting. This is crazy, you know, because the giant worms, uh, right, looked really cool. So. I had finished watching like Star Wars when Mm -hmm. I watched this movie, like back in like the probably late nineties and everything like that. When I was like on this huge sci-fi kick as a kid. And that's when I first saw this one. And it was one of those movies that was like back then everything's a great movie, no matter what, it doesn't matter. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to see people fight with swords and stuff and they had these weird blocky shields and it's cool. And then you got these worms and they're controlling them and this is awesome. You know, everything was great about this movie. I I remember seeing parts of it and hearing what people would say about it like after that. And I never went back and rewatched it, but I was always like, yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. I, you know, it it had some cool scenes in it. Um, Little did I remember uh, the cool scenes were about like five minutes of this two and a half hour movie. (laughs) That's like, well, I see when, when it's something like that, I feel like your mind tells you when, when it's a movie that gets panned by so many people. I'm not talking about The Room because you can laugh at The Room. Oh, yeah. But when, but when you talk about a movie like, um, I don't I don't I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say jujitsu because that's not that's not too old. That's recent. But when it's a movie that's really bad, not like funny, bad, but like bad. And people say, oh, well, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Well, no, no. I'm sorry. Let me rewind. And people say, "Dude, I don't like that movie. It's bad." And everyone keeps telling you it's bad. Your mind is gonna tell you when you watch the movie, "This isn't too bad. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, this isn't good. It's not too bad." Yeah. I feel like your mind tells you that when everyone's telling you a movie is bad. Um, I, I gotta say though, man, with with something like this, it's there is a cult following behind it because it does look good in some scenes. Like it, it has great direction to it. Like you, you can tell. Dave, we all know David Lynch is creative and a great director, and you can t- you see some of that in this in certain scenes. Right. But the the plot doesn't match up with the uh, the source with the with the with the source and the visuals. Um, with a film like this, man, I it takes reading the source novel. It takes it, it it takes the source material and puts it on screen. It just doesn't put it on screen in a comprehensible way. It really just takes scenes from the novel and puts them on screen and, and waits for the audience to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like if I if I hadn't read the book, I wouldn't go, oh, that's Duncan Idaho. That's the Baron. That's um Lady Jessica. If I had not read the book, man, I wouldn't know who I, the only person I would know in this movie is Kyle is Paul. 
Kyle McLachlan is Paul. That's the only person I would know because I'm like, who are these people? Like, I don't I don't understand what's going on. And do the expositionary dialogue in the beginning. It, I forgot how little action there was in this and how all of it was just dialogue either being said or being thought by people throughout the entire movie. It's just exposition dump after exposition dump after exposition dump. So much of it. Listen, I didn't mind in the beginning when, you, when we got Virginia Madsen staring at us and, and bringing us into this world narrating what's going on. I didn't mind that. But once we move past her and we're still hearing her talk, I'm like, okay, this, this is because it, it's like that in the book. Her character talks a lot throughout the book, in like little, in like little, like um, quoted snippets above each chapter. Mm-hmm. But that's the book. That doesn't translate well to cinema. Cinema needs to show, not tell. Right. You know what I mean? And I can, I can tell that's not Lynch's. I can tell that wasn't Lynch's choice. Uh, if it was, he probably would have wanted to be a little different. Um, yeah, man, this is one of those films where it's, it's a shame how bad it turned out. Like David Ayer's Suicide Squad. It, 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 I, I look at this film and I, I don't want to spend this whole time, uh, bashing it because it does have great visuals. Like there, there's a great imagination that takes place in this film. It's just the, the material and story doesn't match up with it. Um, yeah, man, I look at this film and I just kind of just go like, man, it's a shame with this great visual effects, solid musical score, you know, um, solid action sequences. The effects for its time weren't bad. Like the shields they have, they were a little goofy, but it, for that time, it didn't look too Watching bad. it today, you go, oh, this this isn't good. But during the time, that was amazing. That was like perfect. You're yeah. like, oh, my God, they got shields. That's so cool. It's very Tron-esque. Yeah, for that time, um, it, it's 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 not a uh, it's not bad. Yeah, man, I was just so disappointed watching this. Well, I wasn't disappointed because I knew what to expect. Because uh, with all the stuff I heard, because my part of my mind was gonna be like, okay, it's not gonna be that bad. It's not gonna be that bad. And you know, like most things, it's like, yeah, I guess it really, I guess it really was that bad of a movie. So, uh, what really brings this movie down is the do a terrible job of explaining things. Things just seem to happen and mm. there's no explanation. And then the explanation we always get is through somebody's like internal monologue or somebody explaining something to somebody. And uh, it, it, even then it never makes sense. Like I remember at the very beginning of the movie, it's like, this is the planet of Garbulon nine. And this is where right. the Vermixlins live. And it's like, okay, cool. Is that going to be important? Never going to be mentioned again in the entire movie. Oh, good. Thank, thank you for giving me that information. <laughs> then that's really helpful. Thank you. Movie. I, I'm glad I'm taking notes on where everybody's supposed to be from where it's none of it's going to matter at all. This is sticking to the source material so much that uh, the entertainment value gets lost in the forest. Like you can't see the forest through the trees anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I listen to its credit, uh, Dune is not an easy novel to um, turn into film. Like reading that novel, you you're sucked into it as a novel, but turn this into a film. It's not an easy thing to do. There's complex plots going on. There's political intrigue as well as action, as well as, you know, certain um, intricate uh, character development, side stories. Dune is not an easy novel to adapt. So that's 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 not easy. I, I could um, understand that. Really, Scott tried to do it. 
uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky tried to do it, which is a there's a documentary on when he tried to make the film, which I'm probably going to watch later tonight. It's not an easy novel to adapt. So when you see something like this that takes the novel uh, passage by passage, scene by scene, it just it loses its entertainment value because it's so focused on staying close to the material instead right. of like branching out and making its own. You're telling a story, but telling the story through in an artistic way. And, you know, David Lynch is all about exploring the unconscious and unknown untapped potential of his stories. You could tell he didn't have that flexibility here. It was like, no, stick to the script, stick to what happened in the book. If I recall correctly, he originally didn't want to follow the book at all. He wanted to come up with his own kind of plot that kind of followed the story beats of the book, but was completely Mm -hmm. different otherwise. And that's where a lot of the tension on the movie set came from, where he didn't want to make a Dune movie. He wanted to make a movie featuring elements from Dune, the book. I'd rather see that, man. You know, I'd rather watch that. Like, Stanley Kubrick did the same thing with Stephen King's The Shining. He didn't follow that book uh, all the way directly. He took the story beats of The Shining and made his own horror film. Mm -hmm. You know, Stephen King to this day doesn't like that he did that, but it's still a great movie. The Shining is a fantastic movie. Yeah. You know, and it is what it is. I think I would have preferred David Lynch take the novel and kind of go his own way with it than saying, no, stick to what happened in the book, stick to that. And I would see, when I read David Lynch's um, autobiography, well, yeah, it, yeah it, was, it was a memoir. There were moments on set when he would focus on, like, the facial expressions of his actors. Like, he would zoom in on, like, maybe Kyle MacLachlan's face or whoever, whoever actor, and the producer would tell him, dude, we got an expensive set here. You, you focused on, like, facial expressions. We got an expensive set. Take 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 shots of the set it kind of show where where everyone's kind of um everybody was trying to make a different movie exactly like lynch was focusing on emotion and stuff like that and the the producers were focusing on spectacle when it should have been an equalizer of emotion and spectacle you know what i mean uh so yeah everyone was making a different movie and you, you can't have two captains uh steering a ship in different directions so I will, because you read the book and I didn't, I am curious, uh, is the giant fish, fish blob monster a part of the books or is that something that was made up for this movie? Dude, I don't remember that in the novel. Um, I thought it was cool to look at. Uh, it, it, was so a, th- it was an interesting design and everything like that. But when it was missing from the new movie, I was like, well, where's the giant fish tank thing? I think that was made up. I think the fish tank thing was made up um, because I don't know if the fish is supposed to be the emperor or not, but it, that was made up. I like that it was made up. It seemed like a lynch thing to do, a mm-hmm. lynchian thing. But uh, yeah, that's not a that wasn't in a that, was, that wasn't in the novel I read. Okay, and another scene that I noticed specifically that was mo- missing from the new movie that was in this one, aside from everything that would be in part two. Uh, was the like torture t- chamber for the grotesque bald dude? Uh, so the uh, so the bald dude is the Baron. Yes, so that, that's what that character is. Uh, he's uh, yeah, he's a very vile person, dude. Like he uh, he's he's repugnant. Um, 
he's a uh, he's just he he's really a monster. Like like if you would could could make the most uh like um if you could make a monster that's not sympathetic but truly is a monster and is a worthy like villain, that's him. Like you know, in the novel, he uh you know he would sometimes you know quote unquote take young slave boys to his bedroom and you know you, you can fill in the blanks of what happened there. He's that kind of dude. Uh, so torture chambers were kind of implied with him, but yeah, you know. Okay, because I remember yeah. there that was a a long scene in the 1984 movie where he was like torturing people and everything like that. And mm. then that was completely absent from the new movie. So I was like, is that something created by, you know, Lynch during this one? Or was that something that would have been in part two later on because they kind of shifted the timelines around? Cause there were a couple other scenes. I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. Those were the two major ones that I was like, that's missing. Yeah. That, that wasn't in a novel. Yeah, that wasn't. I don't. I don't remember like seeing a torture chamber in a novel. Okay, because yeah, I I can't think of any other scenes that I was like, oh, that's blatantly different. Uh, other than like effects and just being a lot more streamlined and understandable. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that was like missing from the new one that was in this one. But yeah, this one is just it, on second rewatch since I was a kid. Um. Yeah, this movie is a whole lot longer than I remember it being. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm not gonna lie to you. I fell asleep. Like I really did. I I was I was drifting in and out. This one, I I was I was struggling to keep tuned into this one because I was like, I'm gonna see the new one. We're gonna be comparing like scene by scene on this one. I know it. And then we, I watched the new one. I was like, there's no way we will be able to compare scene by scene. <laughs> Look, man, I. I told myself when we jump into this, I'm either going to talk a lot about how bad this was or talk a lot about my thoughts on the new one. Uh, like, it can't be equal, man. Mm-hmm. We, we either going to wrap this up or we just going to keep talking about because I want to be fair to the movie because, like I said, it does have some good qualities to it. It has great visuals, but there's not much. It's like a needle in a haystack. There's not much good I can say about this movie. Right. So let's go to the next one. Uh, I don't think we had to rate Wait. this one yet. <laughs> Wait, well, what do you mean? Wait, why not? Uh, oh, did you want to just rate this one now? <laughs> I know what it is, man. It's 1.5. Uh, this one's a 1 out of 5. <laughs> I give it the 0.5 because of the visuals. Like, I can tell Care went into making this movie as far as the visuals go. Like, you can see... Lynch, you can see a Lynchian stamp on this as far with 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 the set design and stuff. Uh, but, you know, like, again, like the fish, you, you would only see that in a David Lynch movie, man. Yeah. Like, but yeah, man, one point five, man. It just did not grab me. Uh, uh, it, it apparently grabbed you a little bit more than me because, yeah, one uh, out of five for me. Like, and that's because of the couple of good things in this that it's not a zero out of five. You got to be really, really bad for me to give you one, dude. Like, you, you got to be really horrible. Like, I, I think I gave Jiu-Jitsu one, didn't I? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you got to be a really horrible movie for me to give you one. Um, But look, man, all right, we're going to cut. We're just going to get right into it, dude. Uh, Dennis Villain, uh, Villeneuve's 
uh, film Dune, or as its title in the movie, Dune Part One. Man, I don't know about you. So before we get into the movie, did you see this in Dolby? Yes, I did. I went to Dolby for this one. The sound design. Oh, this is like, I'm trying to remember what the movie was that was using sound design this well. And like 1917 comes to mind. 1917 is good. Um, Dude, let me tell you something, man. When this film started... Like wait, like way before the uh, the logos came on, you heard a, a a voice. Like it was kind of like a foreign voice saying, uh, "Dreams are um, memories of the deep," or something like that. Yeah. Like, and I was, and I heard that voice, and how like you know, like like uh, how um how um how, how am I supposed to say this? Like how like grungy it sounded. I heard that voice, and like I said, man, if the sound design is like that throughout the rest of this movie. My mind was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, because then the logos came on and I was like, oh, man, this this movie is a absolute go from 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 before the logos even came on. Oh, absolutely. There was such love and care put into everything that you see. Uh, Blade Runner, like 2049 would be like a contender for this one easily when it comes to like sound design sets, everything. Yeah. Yeah, man, you can tell this guy, um, he puts a lot of care in his movies. You know, you can go from Arrival to Prisoners to there was another independent film with Jake Gyllenhaal he did called Enemy. Dennis puts a lot of care into his films. Like he 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 makes good use of his money, too. That's the thing. His big budget money. He makes great use of it. Um, Yeah, man. uh, I don't even think we talked about the plot of this movie yet. Because uh, I think in the first movie we were just talking about how how bad it was. I, that's what I mean. I wanted to be fair. So first of all, for the audience, let's talk about what Dune is about. So this is about Paul Atreides. He's a young man. He's a um, son of a duke, Duke Leto, and uh, he is rumored to be the uh, what do they keep calling him? Like Not the chosen the, one, more or less. Di- yeah, more or less the chosen one. Um, there's a name for it. Uh, Quisatz Hatterak is another name for it, or the Lisan Gib is what they call him. So he's 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 said to be the chosen one. His mother is a, a Bene Gesserit witch. Uh, his, his father is a duke, so he has that mixed blood in him. And he has this thing called um, where he can use the voice to compel a person to do what he asked them to do. Dude, I know they call it the witch's voice in the movies. Yeah, I think they say you. No, I think his mom says use use the voice, like the voice. Dude, oh, for some reason I have the witch's voice in my head for what they called it. The way they you the way they use the voice, and especially in Dolby Cinema, how it had like the bass to it, like it almost oh, yeah. felt like the voice was comp- propelling you to do something. I was like, man, sound design was taken was given special care in this movie. You know they I mean? when you, made use of the rumble seats that they have in Dolby. That's for sure. They did. It was just a whole nother experience. I wonder how it was in IMAX too, but I, I don't know. But uh, basically, so his father is set to uh, go to this planet called Arrakis. Their home planet is Caladan. And on Arrakis, he is set to be in charge of the spice that is on Arrakis. Spice is a very valuable, um, very valuable resource. And the main kicker is on Iraq is it's really hard to get. There's no rain and it's really and water is very much cherished on that planet. 
uh, the Fremen people, the Fremen people are the natives of Arrakis, and uh, they take very much they they take very good care of the spice, and they're uh, they're a humble people, fierce but humble, and they just don't want people interfering with their life, and they just want to live peacefully, without um without meddling in political affairs. Um, the enemies of the Fremen people, as well as uh, House Atreides, where where our main character Paul is from. Is the House Harkonnen, the Harkonnens? Uh, they're a vicious group of uh, warriors that fight on the uh, Emperor's um, on the Emperor's uh, command. And we don't see the Emperor in this movie. I think he's just mentioned. We see the Baron, who's again we mentioned the first film was a large, grotesque, you know, just horrible person. Um, and he's the one that's in charge of. Uh, the, Hark- the Harkonnens, I believe. The, Hark- the Harkonnens. I'm going to keep getting it wrong this whole th- talk, but, you know, the bad people. Basically, so, pretty much. basically, to break it down into the most layman's terms, you have the natives to the planet, then you right. have the Baron and his forces, who are the villains overall, and mm-hmm. then you have the Empire, which is kind of more the political side that came in because they want to gather the spice to be able to use it for space travel. Right. Space travel. Um, and it's just, it's just really a valuable resource. So that's, and if I recall much... correctly, the natives use it as like a hallucinogen, right? Yes. Yeah. And, um, so basically this, this is, a, we, we tried to break it down as simple as we can, but Dune is not a simple story. Like, um, reading the book, like I said, it's, it's very, it can be challenging to like translate this into film, but Dennis just he just he he brought the hammer down and did it, man. And God bless this guy. Uh, again, you, you would have wished Lynch had this much control, but it, it is what it is. And Dennis just he brought it like James Gunn brought it with Suicide Squad with no restrictions in front of him. Well, I'm sure there probably was restrictions, but yeah. I mean, when it came uh, to like what he was capable of doing the, with the budget of this movie and everything, he mm-hmm. he got so much done right. Uh, the yeah. acting is all great. He had a great cast behind it. So did the last one, but which yeah. goes to show a cast can't save a movie. Uh, but this one, great casting with it. The visuals on this one are just amazing in like every way. So. So again, just like I didn't want to bash Dune, I don't want to be too fanboyish of this movie, but the visuals were on point, man. And the sandworms, the 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 locations, the ships, the characters, the Baron, the Baron looks grotesque. Like he looked grotesque in the other one too, but yeah, the Baron looks yeah. grotesque in a different way because in the nineteen eighty four version, he's got like these giant like zits all over his face. You know, he looks like uh, very bloated and everything. In this one, he just looks pale white. Uh, yeah. He almost looks dead to a point. He still looks bloated and everything, but he's always captured in this giant gown, so you really don't see it as much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he he just looks very villainous. And in this one, you don't have to read the novel to understand what's going on. Yeah, they actually explain it out. Yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of expositionary dialogue. There is dialogue explaining what's happening, but it flows. 
You know what I mean? It, 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 it brings you into its wavelength. As long as you're paying attention, it's like a Christopher Nolan film. As long as you pay attention, you're not going to miss much unless you rewatch it and, you know, listen, look at it with subtitles on. Right. Um, it also explains things that weren't even brought up in the 1984 version, uh, like their use of the weapons being like sacred kind of, you know, yeah. tokens, uh, how valuable water is seen and everything like that and how they, you know, uh, maybe I missed it in the 1984 version, but they didn't explain the suits at all that they were wearing or why they were, you the know, still suits. Yeah. yeah I, I I I don't know if it was explained. It probably was, but it probably was done in an expositionary way. Uh, if it was I, explained, it, I completely missed it because I remember watching the new one and going, "Oh, that's why the two. Oh, that makes sense now." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me say this, man. As far as the acting goes, I, I haven't always been a Timothy Ch- Chalmat fan. Uh, some of the films I've seen him in, I'm like, okay, he's he's kind of just there, but I, I can see how he has like he has the attractive young Leo face, you know. I'm like, okay, I get it. He's the heartthrob. Um, in this movie, man, he he sold me, man. He sold me as Paul. I'm like, okay, he. I see a nice range of emotions on his face as he goes through different changes in this film, kind of wondering, am I the chosen one? Why do I have these visions? Is it all mm-hmm. a farce? Like, what's like? Is that the reason I'm even born? Like. He he sold me. Yeah, I will yeah. say I I loved the performance gives given by everybody. Uh, Jason Momoa is he killed it. For he killed me, it. He did good, but he still stood out like a sore thumb to me. And I don't know if it's because I wasn't expecting to just see Jason Momoa playing Jason Momoa in the Dune movie. Uh, it was great. I loved his performance, but every time he was on screen, I would always go, "Oh yeah, Jason Momoa's back." <laughs> I looked at him as Duncan Idaho. Like, again, I kind of have a fair, I kind of have an, I have a different viewpoint than you because I read the book and it's very fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, Jason Momoa, he's playing Duncan Idaho. Like, that's that's how I imagine Duncan's character to be. Like, to me, it's like, it's not sticking out. He's like, he's right where he needs to be. Um, The casting on this was, you know, like, spot on, man. Like, um... Oscar Isaac is Duke Leto. Rebecca Ferguson is Lady Jessica. Killed it. Stellan Skarsgård is the Baron. Uh, Batista as... Oh, great as, um, for Skarsgård. Yeah, man. Uh, Batista, Dave Batista as uh, uh, the, the House Harkonnen soldier. Oh, yeah. I forgot that uh, he was even in this until he appeared on screen. And I was like, oh, that's Dave. It wasn't until he spoke either because it didn't look like him right away to me. At least I, I always notice him, man. He always looks the same to me, even oh. when he has makeup on. Um, him and uh, him and Dennis V make a good team, though, because he was in that prologue in uh, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That was pretty great. Yeah, when him and Ryan Gosling fought in the beginning. Uh, you know what else here? We got we got Javier Bardem is um uh, Stilgar. He's great. Josh Brolin is Gurney Halleck. Like like these people Zendaya as Cheney, like all these characters, all these actors fit their characters so well. Not only that, you just list off who's in this movie and you're like, this is a stacked cast. Like this is, it is. this is like a dream casting for a movie in, you know, 2020. And you know what? And we got my man, Hans Zimmer doing the score. 
Yes. Did how, he not kill it? The he score it. is brilliant in this. Uh, if if we're going to talk about movie scores for anything, Hans Zimmer is like the god among men when it comes to making a movie score. I don't know how he does it, but every single time you go, man, that was a great movie score. Who made it? Hans Zimmer. Every single time you think that's a great score. Remember I told you he did the fan that we watched with De Niro and Snipes? Yeah. I was like, oh, man, I'm surprised I saw his name. Like, listen, man, I thought Interstellar, eh, Interstellar coupled with Inception was his championship game. This music score is his championship game, dude. Oh yeah. Like, like this when you heard the bass in like tense um in some of the tense sequences, I'm like, man, that's only Hans could do that, man. Yeah, this and is And with dope cinema. I got to watch this in my theater room to see how well that score comes through because it's it's so well done. And what I hate about Hans Zimmer's scores is it's nothing that I can just go playing in my car. Because it's a very cinematic score. Like, it has to, it really brings the picture to life, but it's not one of those things that you can just listen to as an MP3, to me at least. Uh, it depends, man. I feel like when I listen to Half Remembered Dream from Inception, like when, like when Inception first started and you got that rising score, that dun, 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 and it gets louder and louder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like that's pretty epic to listen to on your phone. Uh, but I understand what you mean. I mean, you got to you gotta have the Sonys on or something to right. like really take into account the detailed um, stuff to this guy's music. But um, back to the film. Uh, I feel like splitting this, splitting this in half was the best decision to make. I feel like Dennis made a great decision with that. I don't know if it was Warner Brothers' decision or his decision. But measuring – Dune is a long book. And yeah. it can be a lot to take in. Like when you take the story beats in it, you probably think, oh, you could fit that all in one movie. But it would just it would be very congested because there's like so many moving parts to it. And it would feel rushed unless it was a four hour movie. Yeah, um, I will say this movie actually went further into the plot than I expected it to. Uh, yeah. But I was also I wasn't using the book as comparison. I was using the 1984 movie as comparison. Because this movie just kept going, and I remember thinking, "Is is this going to cut off soon? Like this is this is further than I expected them to get to." Uh, right. Because I knew like they played with the whole like uh, dream sequences with Zendaya throughout the entire movie, where you kind of yeah. see her and stuff. And I expected when her to like first talk to him in person, that was going to be where the movie cut. And then it kept going for a little bit more after that. Not too much further, but it, it did actually keep going a little bit. And Dude, go on. I was going to say me too. I expected to end with him meeting her. Because remember, he has a vision where she actually stabs him. And yeah. I, and and I, I expected to end with like, oh no. Like, is he meeting Is he meeting a lover or is he meeting a future murderer? Or a future uh, person that kills him? Uh so I, I think where it ended was exactly the right place where it should end. Because, um, again, even when you go off what you saw with the 1984 version or if you go with the events of the novel, I feel like it was a perfect place to end it. So I'm like, oh, man, that's a great halfway point because there's some there's there's a lot of great things that happen after that. And so also some different points of views and perspectives we didn't get, catch this first time around. 
Mm-hmm. Like um, we 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 didn't we didn't catch up with uh, Josh Brolin's character after the whole siege happened, and you know there's a whole lot of stuff that happened with his character in the book that um I know I know the next film is gonna get into, um so I thought it was a great cutoff point, uh yeah man, especially so, since we're guaranteed a next movie. I don't know if you saw like the uh, are we comment? Oh yeah, pretty much, because uh, the. I think it's the president or one of the directors of HBO Max said uh, when it comes to looking at movie sequels for movies such as Dune, uh, box office isn't anywhere close to the only metric that they're using right now. And he's fully excited for the continuation of that uh, movie. So this was before it even came out. Basically, he was like, oh, yeah, it's it's greenlit. Don't don't worry about it. It's greenlit. Dude, that makes me so excited, man, because I know for a long time I would talk with people in Discord chats and stuff about this. Like, man, I know we really want it, but let's be real. Ever since we saw the kind of um, reception that Blade Runner 2049 got, at not, as, not as far as critical reviews, but as far as like box office numbers, like a lot of us were like, man, I don't know if we're going to get a Doom Part 2. Like, I don't know. But uh, now that you told me that, I'm I'm a whole I'm gonna take your word for it. I that makes me happy, man. I really do hope we get a part two because oh, yeah. science fiction has always been has always gotten the short end of the stick as far as making returns. Like you look at the first Blade Runner, I don't think it made its money back. If if it did, I stand corrected, but I don't think it did. I think it made its money back after like DVD sales. Uh, definitely not from like theater. Way, way after. Yeah. <laughs> right. That don't that don't count. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I I hear what you mean. Um, yeah, man, I really hope I really hope we get a part two. The thing I like about this movie is that, again, it's a complex plot, but it keeps you engaged with it. Like you can stay you can stay in tune with what's happening. Um, the characters keep you engaged. I love the dynamic between Paul and Duncan Idaho. Um, I love the dynamic between him and his mother, you know, oh, yeah. uh, especially when you start bringing like the, I, I can't remember what they're called, but the people with that, the ability to use the voice when they start coming into play and everything ben, going on around there. Yeah. The, the, the Ben Jesuit witches, that's what you call them. Okay. That, that's really, it really captivates you. Like when he's uh, speaking with the one person and he has to put his box in the hand and he feels all the yes. pain and his hand in the box. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he, yeah. He has to put his hand in the box. Yeah. That scene, another great one with sound design, man. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's got his hand in the box and he's feeling the pain. And th- that's what sold me on Timothy. Like the way his face changed from like pain to like determination to resilience like I'm like okay, okay now now I see it now I see why why he's a good actor. Yeah, now right? I'm sold on him for this role. Right, right. He 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 does a range of emotions well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the scene that sold me. Um, I feel like this film has a lot of great. I don't know. I don't know if I would say this film has a lot of action sequences, but where the action sequences pop up, it's it's well done. Yeah, like the, it has really sequence. good action sequences. They're few and far between, but they're right. really good when they're there. Like the hallway scene with uh, Jason Momoa's character, uh, it, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. 
Uh, especially yeah. because you have like the little buzzing of the shields around people. Uh, the shields right. in this one aren't as blocky as 1984. They're literally like uh, almost like shadows that go over people. And right. they kind of like glow blue, except for when they're like being depleted, they glow red. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, that scene with Jason Momoa just taking them out and everything like that. And even when he like has an entire sword through his chest, he just pulls it out and uses it as a new weapon against people. It's that one was really nice action sequence. Uh, I love the direction this that that one was going with like the fighting and like the the way it was. Uh, choreographed i guess yeah it, it was done so well and i love those kind of scenes i love those i wish it was a one shot that's the only way it could have been made better is if that was a one shot scene i don't think it needed to be i don't think it needed to be a one shot it was good for the way way it was filmed oh see and i, I never... love scenes like that where it's a one shot so that's just in my head it's just like oh that could have made it a little you. bit better because i love those kind of scenes I feel like you could do it as a one shot if you um if if you're like grandstanding, you know what I'm saying? Like if you're being like a grandstander as a director, you can do that and pull it off uh perfectly. But I feel like with the shot we got, I'm like, okay, it made its point. Um yeah, the action sequences are few and far in between because that because this film relies heavy on story. And again, yeah. that's something that kind of made me worried at first cuz I I was enjoying it. But again, you, you look at box office numbers and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if some people are going to like that. But uh, yeah, man, I feel like the film, it sold and delivered. It, it very much did. It, it gave me everything I wanted from an actual Dune movie. And I'm wholly excited to see where it continues. Because even if it ends up being like an HBO Max exclusive or something like that with a very limited theater debut for part two. I, mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch it regardless. I I'm yeah. wholly excited. Yeah, I I believe um, part two is gonna probably have more action in it because going off the source material, there's more action that comes. That's basically that. where like the war happens between right, the three war. factions. Definitely, and I I will be interested in uh, seeing that absolutely. Um, did we pretty much wrap everything? We talked about the acting, the music, the cinematography. Oh, the sandworms with the sound design and yeah. like the rumbling and everything like that. That was another one that it just blew me away. I loved that. Uh, actually, much better than how they did in the first movie where they kind of just appear and do it. It's a lot more menacing because all of a sudden the ground is shaking people are being right. like basically devoured by the sand before it even really arrives mm-hmm. uh the use of what was it drums in the sand so when you were making steps it was actually basically signaling for it mm-hmm. and yeah. th- there was a lot of creativity going through that with the use of the sand and the sound sand worms as kind of this uh overreaching threat that could follow you anywhere you know when it first en- yeah i agree with that when it first ended with um him having that fight and uh, i guess it was him killing a man for the first time i i initially didn't know how i felt about that like eh, i don't know okay i guess if you want to end it there with him making his first kill i guess that's his transition into a man but Seeing in the grand scheme of things how he's coming from this place where he's highborn and he keeps asking the guy that he's fighting, like, look, do you yield? 
like like I don't want to I don't want to kill you. Do you yield? They're mm-hmm. like, there's no yielding in this. Like you see the kill or be killed. Um, it does kind of like show him turning more into a Fremen or turning more into one of the Fremen people. So I'm like, okay, which are the natives? To, the natives. Yeah, uh, I gotta remember that. And um, it just reevaluate. I reevaluate that scene and say, okay, you know what? That is a great drop off point for his character. And I love the like little teaser we got for the sequel where we see somebody in the fall riding a sandworm, like yes. using it as a as a as a vehicle, pretty much. I cannot wait because that was one of the scenes that I really still like in the nineteen eighty four version is mm-hmm. them riding the sandworms. So I am so excited to be able to see that in like the new uh age version of it. Because it's just gonna look fantastic. Because the sandworms already look so much better in this one than they did in the 1984 version, just with computer graphics and, you know, use of models and everything like that. Of course it would look better. But I'm so excited to see how that one comes through. Yeah. I think if we were to cap it all off, man, I would say 4.5 on my end. Uh, Yeah, I gotta agree. 4.5. Because I know the best is yet to come. And this 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 was a lot of, I don't I don't want to say this was a lot of set piecing uh, set piecing, but it, it there it felt like is it, a whole lot of setup dialogue and everything like that for what's coming, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's done in such a varied way that it doesn't overload you with information, as long mm-hmm. as you're kind of paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very much excited for uh, Doom Part 2. I got a lot of faith in Dennis. Uh, yeah, 4.5. Um, you know, again, I didn't mean to... I don't want to bash the 1984 version, but I got I to... Gotta, this is double feature versus. We call it as it is. It's just not a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there, there's good thought process that went into it, and we can see the good movie that's in it, but it, it wasn't really pulled out all the way by the time we got the final finished product yeah i'm not here to sugarcoat things i'm here to say what i enjoyed and what i didn't and uh 1984 is in the didn't category (laughs) yeah because i you know part of your mind tells you you're gonna walk away saying you know what it's not as bad as people said but you know most of the time you're gonna run to those where it's like nah people were right yeah, the, the general audience actually knew what they were talking about this time. That wasn't a David Lynch movie. Even David Lynch says that's not a David Lynch movie. Right. All right, man. I guess that wraps that up. Uh, so you said you told me you were interested in Last Night in Soho. You said you, yeah, that that's on your list. Oh, Last Night in Soho is on my list. Okay. I don't know what else I'm looking forward to, man. I'm gonna see that, but. Outside of Eternals, which dude, I've seen that trailer so many times now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting. It's at that point where I get tired of it. How have you seen like, the trailer? Are you just pulling it up on YouTube and watching it like all day long and going, oh, the Eternals the trailer movies. again? I go to the movies. Oh, okay. They they show it before every movie, and I always see Brian Tyree Henry says, uh, "You know, it didn't save the universe." Your sarcasm. <laughs> then at the end of the trailer, I think I bet you probably got a. Uh, vibranium all around this house this table is probably full of vibranium knocks the table down he says ikea fall collection i guess it comes to a point where i i i mimic the trailer when it comes on i didn't know you were such an eternals fan i'm an eternals trailer fan is what i am (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm a super fan of the Eternals trailer. I can memorize every line beat for beat. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's such a that's such an Andy Samberg thing to say. <laughs> I'm a fan of the uh, No Way Home trailer. I, I can memorize every line. <laughs> I tell you what doesn't look bad. I was a little. I was initially. I was initially kind of like skeptical of it, but Uncharted doesn't look bad. So, as a fan of the games and as a not so fan of uh, Marky Mark, uh, oh yeah, we don't need him. But. Yeah, um, I I gotta say it's it's iffy for me, uh, especially because the trailer like it shows scenes from like the third game in the trailer, and it's supposed to be a prequel. Well, so I mean, what what is this movie? What are what are we walking into in this? I don't I don't first know. Of all, first of all, it's based off a video game, so you can't expect much faithfulness there or much uh chrono- much chronological sense there. I should say. Well, the problem is they kept like going, "Oh, Tom Holland, he's a younger Nathan Drake." We were casting for a young Nathan Drake to get like a sequel to it. That's also why Sully's a lot younger, and we got one of the worst actors in America to play him. Uh, you know that that's what we're going for. And then they throw in scenes from Uncharted Three, and it's just like, wait, <laughs> what? What are you trying to tell me here, Sony? What? Which? Where's the lie? <laughs> I'm going to be very, very, very objective in this moment. I don't think Mark Wahlberg, I don't think Marky Mark is that bad <laughs> of an actor. Uh, I, I don't need a don't, Boston uh, Sully. <laughs> I, 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 I personally don't like sort seek him out when I say, yeah, let's get Marky Mark for that role. But I don't <laughs> think he, we, we, we got worse, man. We, we do have worse. I would have preferred Nicolas Cage in the role personally. <laughs> That would've been fine. I would have loved it. Fine. I would I would I would not mind that at all. Because uh we saw National Treasure. He can do those kind of films. Yeah. I really think Michael I really think Nicolas Cage can really do anything, if I'm gonna be honest. Like I it, 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 that might sound funny to people listening, but he really can do anything. He was spider he was uh uh Noir Spider Man in Into the Spideyverse. Like he oh, can yeah. do anything. Oh, and recently uh, the title for the new one came out for uh, Spider-Man. What is it called? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know the name of it, but I know there's a new one. Yeah, because they recently just gave the uh, new name for it. I just hope it doesn't fall in that line of being the sequel that just does what everyone loved in the first one, just makes it longer, like Deadpool 2. I really hope it just comes with a, a a great original story like his first one did. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it because it. I I get worried because when the first movie is so good, the sequel just kind of builds off what the first movie did so well, but just makes it a longer movie, like Guardians Two, um, or the Lego Movie Two. Yeah, still haven't seen the first one. Really? I'll get. I'll get, I know it's a good movie. I'll get to it. Okay. That one's a little bit surprising because that was like a huge one when it came out. Like everybody going like this movie does not deserve to be this good for being literally a commercial for Legos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Then again, you're talking to a guy that never watched Nightmare Before Christmas. That's or true. Coraline. 
or, or, or uh, Bill and Ted prior to us doing that podcast? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that haven't seen Bill and Ted <laughs> that that weren't born in the 80s and or, or you know early 90s. Um, there's a lot of us, but uh, yeah, man, <laughs> dozens I, I, even. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I I have faith it's gonna be good. I just hope it just doesn't fall into that trap of, okay, what did we do good in the first one? Let's just do that again. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it turns out, but it's Spider-Man, so I'll probably enjoy it regardless. That's that's kind of how it'll work. I, I'm aware you know, of that bias. I like Spider-Man, too, but you know I never saw the uh, Andrew Garfield ones? I think we talked about this. Oh, yeah, the Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2? When those dropped... Um, I like Garfield. I like Emma Stone, but my whole thing was like, I'm not really over Toby uh, leaving yet, man. I'm not really over that yet. So I kind of just never tapped into him. Um, I tapped into some of the Tom Holland ones. Like I saw Far From Home. I didn't see Homecoming. Wow, they all got home in the title. I, I just now noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> you just noticed the home trilogy is a thing? Wow. What so what's the what's the significance of that? Like is that is that just like a like like a play on words or uh, I think it was just there? kind of the first one it was kind of saying, Hey, Spider Man's home in the MCU. So it's homecoming. And then the uh, second one they just kind of played off of that, and then the third one they were like, Well, it's gotta have the word home in it, because that's what everybody's expecting now. Okay, okay. I like that. That's creative. Um yeah, man. Did we talk about Venom 2's uh, end credit scheme, scheme in, the, in, in, in end credit scene in the scheme of MCU and everything on here? I want to say we did, but I can't remember if we talked about that on podcast we or we, outside. We talked about it over text. Yeah, man. I tell you, man. I I, I was already excited for No Way Home. And I, I felt like I was at the highest state of excitement. And then I just went to highest state 0.5 when I oh, saw that end credit scene. See, I couldn't go any higher. I was already at my max for excitement for that. This kind of just made me go, oh, my God, I can't wait for the movie, too. Oh, my God, I can't wait for the movie. <laughs> I know this is a stretch. I know this may not happen. But if I see Tom Hardy's Venom versus Topher Grace's Venom, I'm going to lose my shit in the theater. I don't think Topher Grace is going to be in it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know it's a stretch, but if I do, if that does happen... Oh, I'm if we ever get that... Shit. You know what? If there is a huge success with the crossover that everybody knows it's the worst-kept secret in all of Sony history, uh, right. it we could possibly see Topher Grace's Venom appear sometime in the future with the whole multiverse. And yeah, I think that I mean, would be hilarious to see. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, I don't get the joke. Uh, well, with the whole like multiverse coming together and stuff like that, seeing Topher Grace's Venom go up against actual Venom. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I would like to see that. Oh, Topher I'd find Grace's it hilarious. I, I wouldn't take Tom that Hardy fight seriously Venom. at all. <laughs> I wouldn't take it seriously at all, but I would lose my shit. Like, oh my goodness, they actually did it. Those crazy just they actually did it. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the pointing Spider-Man meme in the new one. Uh, that's <laughs> all I want in life. <laughs> I feel like a lot of it will be. I feel like a, a good. 
if not a lot of it, a good fair amount of it will be fan service. Yeah. And that's okay. I I am one hundred percent okay with that because I am the fan that service is for. I feel like this film should be called Homecoming because it will be homecoming for the other Spider Men. Or Garfield. they'll never be able to go back to their universe and they're stuck in the MCU now forever. Well, that's the cruel punishment for those characters. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you're that's not like, allowed to go home. Toby, you belong to Disney now. Congratulations. That's like that Black Mirror episode where that guy had that Star Trek fantasy and, and one of the characters was like, he's about to kill one of the villains. Like, yes, please kill me. Oh, yeah. No, I'll let you live for another day. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love that episode. But, um, yeah, man, uh, Outside of that, Spider-Man Eternals, it's not much I'm looking forward to. Uncharted looks okay, uh, but that's about it. Uh, for me, it's Last Night in Soho, uh, Spider-Man Eternals, and yeah, literally all superhero movies outside of Last Night from Soho. Yeah, but I think those are like further down the road. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't think right. of anything else that really is getting me pumped to go back to a movie theater. Yeah, the good ones have uh, came and went, man. Uh, the good ones I was anticipating, at least. But all right, y'all, uh, that wraps up this episode. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, this has been Double Feature Versus. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.